Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My guest today is a filmmaker, the winner of the Best Texas High School Short at South by Southwest Film Festival 2019, and a really good friend of mine. Uh, please welcome Tyler Taliaferro. Cue the Joe Rogan music, am I right? Are we on? We are on. Tyler, thank Welcome you for... back for another week <laughs> podcast. What's up? We got a guest. Good to see my man. We got a guest today. What's your name? TTT. TTT. We got TTT here. Tyler Timothy Talia Farrow. All right. It's the triple threat. I'm going to start today's episode with a few of Tyler's accolades and awards. Oh, shit. Uh, let's, let's start out from since 2017. Oh, Alright. Austin Youth Film Festival winner, best producing. Uh, that was for Awake, correct? Mm-hmm. Then nominee, best young filmma- mm-hmm. filmmaker, winner of the Excellence in Film Award at Headwater School 2018. Austin Youth Film Festival 2018 winner, at best screenplay. For Spare Change and um, South by Southwest Film Festival winner, uh, 2019 Best Texas High School Short, 15. Take me, uh, walk me through what 15 is about. Oh man! All right. So I was a cinematographer on 15, uh, and really when we made that movie, that was between uh, AJ, the director, and myself. Um, we. Um, we had these friends, uh, Maddie and Anna, who were, well, 15 at the time, and uh, they were in an actual relationship, like, no, no acting involved. Um, and we, uh, we needed to make a film. Uh, I mean, it was kind of our, kind of our art form, and uh, rather than trying to deal with the absolute tomfoolery that is hiring actors, we decided we would just cast our friends and kind of document their story and actually the script that we shot for was completely different than the movie that came out um we had a lot of stuff that never actually got shot that was in the original script we wrapped um in march of i don't know if it was last year the year before last year but that it it took a long time to get that project edited edited because we we never really got all the footage we needed because um by the time we got to the point where we could shoot the uh, the final few scenes that we had planned, they'd already broken up. <laughs> um, so there was no uh, no real opportunity to to shoot that stuff because they didn't want to be around each other anymore. And of course, you know, they were 15, so mm-hmm. not transportation. High school, like social yeah. politics it's social mixed politics. up with that. And, yeah. and no one can drive. So that made it great because we always had had someone's mom driving us around and doing oh, all that. Love that. So fun. Uh, but I eventually, um, y'all remember the backseat car rides with your date? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, eventually, AJ and I managed to find a story we were happy with, and Fifteen's uh, what came out of it. And you can watch that on YouTube. Um, so uh, it'll, it'll be linked. Yeah, it'll be linked, linked and all that. If you just search Fifteen short films, first thing that comes up. It is. It is. I can attest to that. So. When did y'all wrap? Like, when exactly did y'all wrap the shoot for that? 
like I said, it was either March or last. No, it couldn't have been last year. It would have had to be two years ago. Um, because last March I was pretty much about to graduate. So that means it had to be the year before that. My sophomore year. When did you find out that it got nominated for South by South? Okay, so we found it got found out it got nominated um, early. I think probably in January. Wait, maybe? hang on. Pause for a second. Back up a, a little bit and and tell me how it got nominated. Oh right. Okay. Well, obviously, um, you know, with any with any film festival, you so you kind of have to submit everywhere. I mean, we submitted. Uh, 15 to a lot of festivals. We got into okay. another one here in Austin called Aglyph. Um, so just is, to clarify, the, the goal was to... Yeah. That, that was yeah, the goal. Okay, cool, cool, cool. cool. South by... Winning, winning the South by thing was like the most we could have hoped to get oh. out of that film. Okay. Like, as, as high schoolers making films, if there is... There's a few real goals that you can look for. And winning something like South by Southwest or AFF, Austin Film Festival, is huge. Um, a Student Academy Award would probably be um, about the cream of the crop. But uh, winning South by was not expected. Actually, neither AJ nor I were at the awards um, because... Did we you have other stuff planned? Yeah, we had other stuff going on. We actually, life, bro. Believe it or not, we had filming to do for Dude, our next no, one no, together. Give me, give me a bump for that. Yeah, so Dude, um, you we, gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, we uh, well AJ got a um, got a call from one of our friends who did go to the screening. Was like, yo, uh, y'all won the best Texas high school short jury award. We we're like, how'd that happen? What? what? Yeah, like so I, I went to the screening twice. Um, the screenings of the Texas high school shorts. There were some really cool original ideas like. Um, Shout out to this one movie uh, called Pajaro. Um, it was... That's uh, Bird in Spanish. That is Bird in Spanish. It was fantastic. Um, and there were some other great movies. Uh, this girl, Emma Evans, did a movie called uh, Infallible, which was pretty cool. Um, shout out to my homie, Emma. Um, but it was in Florida. So no, we did not expect that in any way, shape, or form. And so that was that's been your most recent yeah. award. Um, take me, take me into like a little a bit, bit about how you got into film. Oh, how what's kept you, mm-hmm. you know, what what's kept you into it for so long? Yeah. Um, because you've been you've been going hard for quite a few years now and been winning awards for it for a few years now. So um, how'd you get started? I mean, I think I got started the same way most people get started, which is. Um, as a kid, you grow up, you watch movies. I mean, and there is an element of movies that has always resonated with me in that I love the fact that a movie at its core, like in the modern day, is someone gives you money because they are going to give you their time to watch your work of art. Which, first of all, is a crazy concept because we, we see jobs like the complete opposite. We give people their time, or people give us their time so they can get paid for it. And watching a movie is like the exact opposite. And so it's like if someone's going to watch your movie, your movie, there's a reason. And I think that one of the most humbling things that I could ask for from anyone, I guess, would be for the movie they choose to see be mine. Because, you know, that's that's two hours, you know, an hour and a half that they're not gonna get back. So I might as well make 
the most out of it and let them feel something they weren't feeling before yeah. or teach them something they didn't know before. And yeah. I think film is just the best f- format for it because it's everything. It's photography, it's yeah. music, it's painting. It's, it's the whole experience. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had a question that, that kind of built on that. And I wanted, I wanted to know how the, the process of, of you, you know, having this like creative desire to create films and then, and then at some point, right, you, you realize that there was a way, a format of making a quality film. And so I was wondering if you could kind of backtrack a little bit and tell us a little bit about the planning um, that went into it and, and how you knew what to do and really what like makes yours, mm-hmm. what made yours win, be, like what about yours do you feel like was was the difference that sets y'all yeah. apart because we have a really unique mm-hmm. experience right now to talk to the person who won that event and i think that could be really yep. enlightening for a lot of people because in a lot of ways you reach that that pinnacle you you climb yeah. to the top of that yeah never, that crane. never not climbing all right yeah at a young age nevertheless yes I mean, yes so, but, but here's the, yeah. the real deal and i'm i totally am humbled by that but you know, and I, I can't speak for AJ and, and uh, their vision for this film. But sure. my my vision in shooting it was, this is a teenage relationship, and my experience with teen love was that it was volatile and it was fast and it was and you just felt hard, man. Yeah. It is. I think we like all had nothing that, yeah. else. I'm pretty sure yeah. teen love has a real yeah. a real reputation amongst anyone yeah. who's gone through it. And I think just the way you describe that is right, like nail on the head already. Yeah. That's a that, if that's a feeling that you're going for, that's a feeling that so many of us can relate yeah. to. Well, that, that's the idea with a good film, I think, is that no matter how vague your subject matter, whether you're talking about, you know, two 15-year-olds in a lesbian relationship or you're talking about, like, honestly, any scenario, any two given people, the things you latch onto are smaller than you think. I mean, um, like you can easily figure out what makes you like a movie. But for me, what makes me like a movie is when I can watch it and I can eat it all as a whole. And mm. so when I thought about shooting 15, I thought, well, you know, I know that these relationships are volatile, hard and fast, and all the stuff I said before. And I wanted to display that in my shots. So the opening shot of the film is the main character, um, Anna, on a trampoline. And I really loved that as the start because I really felt like their relationship, actually as someone who like watched it unfold and I was friends with both of them uh, while it was happening, it really did feel like a trampoline because some days you wouldn't hear one of them talk about the other and other days it was all they could talk about. Mm. And (laughs) it was really crazy to film that while they were actually dating because I mean, I, I don't doubt that the whole process probably put strain on their relationship. I mean, it's like exhibitionism almost, you know? It's being because put under the, the looking glass. Yeah. yeah. Because when you're, when you're acting, you're acting, you know? I mean, there might be a piece of an actor that makes it real. And that's that spark that you get with those really famous, talented actors that we see on the silver screen. But um, with people, real people who feel the things they're saying... I mean, there's no it's a little more chemistry visceral. they have. It creates a little bit more visceral experience. Yeah. 
people can pick up on that if it's re- if it's filmed right. Yeah, and it was really helpful because you know AJ was a first time director and like um, it 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 helps when there's not much directing to do. You know, I mean, love love is love it doesn't need yeah. it doesn't really need to be coaxed out. So I, I I guess kind of what I what I what I'm really curious about is we can all think of what that moment is like right mm-hmm. and that and that of course is is the goal is capturing that feeling but i think what i'm what i'm really curious on i think maybe what other people might be curious on is in the creative process that happens it you have to what is the way that you choose to depict those moments? Like, mm-hmm. what is the filming style? What do you What do you do? What are you looking for? Yeah. What are the What are the scenes and the setting? Because I wouldn't know how to mm-hmm. do any of that. I could, you know, I could see that. Yeah. I could even take a picture of that. You know, everyone's got a picture of there. Yeah. But 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 what what changes that little like Snapchat you make with your crush mm-hmm. into an award winning film? Well, that's a that's a really good question, actually. Um, there's a few places that you can go with that. One is, uh, if you're like me, you like to build your film from the ground up. And that means you're meticulous and every detail really counts. And sure. really what that means when you have no budget, when you have no real resources, it means finding those details, finding those important little pieces um, as you go. And you can plan okay. as much as you want. I mean, in terms of in terms of planning for fifteen, I mean, you know, we had uh, clothing options on set. Maybe um, every once in a while, we were able to use lights if we were shooting inside. But a lot of that was shot, you know, golden hour outside. Natural because, lighting stuff. You know, we're trying to capture this this glimpse of what you know what's described in the film, which is this feeling of just total comfort. And I always felt, you know, well sunset is really a great time because it's fleeting and it's beautiful and um, the sun always comes back up and I think that's one of the main themes of the film you know I mean that love is powerful and it's fast and but I, I, I know I, I'm kind of getting off track a little bit the way you decide the way I decided that I wanted to shoot 15 that way um, there's a number of things I'm taking into account, right? You know, the camera you're using, the tech, all the, all the technical sides, sure. lenses, yeah. camera, body, lights, all of that, and that really comes with with time. Okay. Technical ability is uh, one of those things you just have to learn, um, and uh, thankfully, I had a really wonderful film teacher who uh, was pivotal and helping me figure out um, what it was about films that I like so much. I mean, for, I mean, Paula, you've been in my house, I mean, in my room for the, uh, for three or four years, I've had a mural of four of my um, favorite filmmakers on my wall. So with quotes next to them. Yeah. It's nice. Um, Same one. Uh, like, you know, there it's, it's, it's like, you know, meditation is a lot of people meditate on mantras. And for me, I create on mantras. Um, and that's a lot of filmmaking because there are, I feel that, yeah, there's aspects that you have to maintain to create good art. I mean, avant-garde filmmaking is one thing, you know, go out, shoot some crazy shit, cut it together and make it look like it's nutty. But some of us are more formalist They're called formalist filmmakers, people who understand the art and understand that good films happen because there are a number of factors that make a good film. 
sometimes you might make something a little crazy that you know kind of you think oh that's cool great you know but i don't want to make a movie that's cool i want to make a movie that's can, can, fucking can, awesome yeah can you talk a little bit about those those things that yeah. make it that way like could, yes. what, what would be like if you were to pick like a top five that you had learned yeah like top five things that I can put into a into a film, or yeah, to to make a good film. Right. What was in the way that you see it with those kind of mm-hmm. technical aspects? Because that's mm-hmm. kind of you know I'm Paolo knows. I think I've said it on the podcast before. I love numbers, like quantifiable <laughs> things. I, I love right, graphs I and stuff. So like I love that like technical perspective. I right. geek out on bike geometry like oh. crazy, dude. I could pull out and seat tube angles. I, I could geek out <laughs> on a whole lot of stuff, especially. Um, some of the gear I've tried to, uh, not tried, that I have acquired over, over my past few months of sure. um, yeah. trying to really step into my role as a cinematographer. Um, top five. In no particular order, okay. um, I would say the first thing you need is a story. It has to have a story. Um, if you don't have a story, you don't have a movie. Um, even a commercial, anything that you see on TV at any point has some kind of a story in that there will be a change that encourages thought. So, you know, if there is, if it's a commercial for medication, you know, like it's going to have you like someone has problems with their illness and then they take the medication and they don't feel bad. You know, even if there's like a billion side effects that it's still like, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a premise. If you don't have a premise, if your story doesn't have emotion, um, that's when it kind of falls flat, which is why people are kind of scared of falling to a certain kind of commercial work. Yeah. That shit pays well, though, so uh, yeah, don't yeah. be too afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is, you know, Paul and I were talking about this earlier, about, an, you know, just an idea in, in, in the car on the way over here. Um, right. I mean, I won't say what it is, because obviously we're just going to make it. You all probably eventually see it. Um, yeah, cool. But it's a pretty cool idea, right? And we're thinking, this is cool. This... This resonates with me, mm-hmm. and whether it you know follows like the seven basic plot types, it's cool. And so, in addition to story, you need a feeling. That's the second thing you need. Okay. You need to know what you want people to feel when they Atmosphere. watch something. Atmosphere is yeah. yeah, yeah. But when I make a film, I know how I want people to feel when they watch it. You know, with fifteen, I wanted people to feel like. If, if they'd ever been in love, I wanted them to remember what that had been like. And if they hadn't, I wanted them to want to. And yeah, you know, we've cool. gotten, I think, like... Well said. I like that. I think we've gotten, like, over a million views on that video now. And, like, I... Nice. When I Definitely. go through the comments, that is, that is the feedback I see. And it makes me feel really yeah. good about it. <laughs> yeah, um, as, it, as it should. I, and, and so what I, I think the little things that I'm picking up on are that... You know, there was at least, you know, and I am nowhere close to a film guru. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Most of the time, I don't see new movies. I can't sit still long mm-hmm. enough to actually watch the damn thing. But I think what I'm what I'm seeing is like a, it, there was a point where film, you know, is like you, you want it to be less animated and more live action, right? Yeah. Like as much real filming as you can. Mm-hmm. You're taking that even a little bit of a step further at least in the kind of filming that, that you want and that you like mm-hmm. and and doing more than just making it all you know one taker or like all all real people but actually going for capturing a vibe yeah. with a camera that's kind of gnarly yeah i mean what's what's really nuts about it is 
um, to be honest with you, and this has been my experience. I can't speak for Rod, you know, Roger Deakins or you know Alejandro Iñárritu. I can't sure. speak for these famous dudes who certainly know what they're doing. But as someone who is in between this place of, I feel like I've been kind of a big fish in a small pond um, here in Austin as a filmmaker. In that, um, if I want to get onto an Austin film set. I can certainly find my way onto one. Um, there will be people who are willing to hire me. There are people who I can reach out to. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm about to go to school for, for filmmaking at New York University. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what people my age are, are trying to do with their art. Um, because, I mean, I've already gotten an idea of what we're doing in Texas at South by Southwest, watching all those shorts. Um, but really, and I don't think a lot of people are going to admit to this, but I mean, if you want to be a filmmaker, you need to be the best. There is, there is no other option but to be the best. And if you think, if you think that you can half-ass anything and walk out of whatever product you were on and think that everything is going to turn out just the way you envisioned it, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Because I know from experience on projects that I thought I could get away with doing less work on that it doesn't work that way. I mean, we got lucky on 15. I'll be totally honest. You know, I mean, we got lucky because we put in the effort where it counted. And when things got tough, we stuck together as long as we could until we couldn't do it anymore. And then we were left with this giant pile of footage. And we are like, what do we even do with this? You know, I mean, we don't have a script anymore because the scenes that we thought were pivotal aren't here. All we have is what is essentially B-roll of these two girls in love. And there's no real conflict of it. And, well, it's like a puzzle at that point. I mean, we have the footage. We have a film. It's sitting here. But it's in the box. And we got to take it out and put it together. And going into that, making those puzzle pieces, that is what's really important. So story, feeling, and then you have to have intent. So a, feel, a feeling, you, know, you have to know what you want people to feel. You also have to know what you want people to take away. Okay. I think having a message, having a real goal in mind. I mean, are you trying to raise awareness about something? Are you trying to change the status quo? Are you trying to... Just make people feel fucking weird. In my, yeah. last, my most recent movie, I, I wanted to make people shift in their seats. And at the first screening of it, that's exactly what happened. And I was stoked. Cool. All right. Here, question. Oh, um, he has a question. So what does is, what is creative productivity look like for you? Oh, like, really? we give you We give you like 10 hours. And like, what, what do you fill that 10 hours with creatively? So, all right, if you give me a 10-hour work day, um, generally right now, like tomorrow, I will probably have a 10-hour work day. Um, my morning, I'll probably wake up sometime around 9, 9 in the morning. Um, do you like to procrastinate before you do something? Like, not procrastinate, but, like, take the time to, like, do I, some I fun stuff. I am a tad bit. OCD about this kind of stuff. Like, uh, whenever I, whenever, I, if I have an editing 
project I've got to deal with. Um, I like to be real organized on it. I like to build a system for myself to make sure I understand my uh, my ideas in the long term on a project. Doesn't sound like you're OCD. It sounds like you're dedicated. Maybe they're tied together. Um, I, I think that what I really care about is, you know, I want that quality. And mm. for me, that quality comes with that obsessive compulsive attitude, which is doing shit right. <laughs> I mean, to put it bluntly, right? Mm-hmm. Well, every everything in a film, everything in a film, right? It, it comes down to your you you have that like one second to capture it, right? Mm-hmm. You you have that every every single shot in, in the way that I'm thinking about it is that first impression, and you only get so many first impressions. Do you want to know what's even crazier about that? What is that? You get one first impression. So I'm in the middle of writing a feature film right now, and. The there's really you know you have to worry about this whole act structure you know beginning middle end about what goes on the first page the third page the tenth page the twenty fifth page etc basically I build these um, points along the script where I know I need a certain thing to happen to keep things moving and entertaining and your first impression you know you get page one all right and that sets a mood. That sets tone, it sets scope, it sets your film in its reality. And from there, you are responsible for navigating that ship, all right? You know, you can introduce things whenever you so choose, but it's at your own behest. So it probably wouldn't be very wise of me to introduce a brand new character in the last 10 minutes of a movie to save my protagonist's ass. Because then my protagonist didn't work to do anything. They didn't actually change. Someone came in and handed it to them, right? So when I write something, I'm always trying to keep in mind, this is a human being that I'm talking about. This is me, even more. I mean, you have to tell a story that's true from the heart. Because one of, the, one of my first real mistakes was trying to write films about people that I didn't know, about people that I didn't really have anything Relating to them, I just thought, you know, that's a, that's a setting that I think is cool. It's a, it's a person that I find fascinating, but mm-hmm. I was trying to build them as separate people. But the reality is that it's like, it's like AI, you know? If you put two robots playing checkers against each other, it's systematic. I mean, one of them will probably win many, many times if you know it's advantage in any way or it'll be a 50 50 game one of them's gonna win one of them's gonna lose but eventually one of them's gonna start coming out on top more and more do you think that would matter on who at first like if everyone makes the right moves strategically to like if there's a system to match every single like best move mm-hmm. by a computer do you think changing who went first would change the entire outcome yes so, do you know that? Or yeah, it compl- I think so, because it completely changes the circumstances. If you live in a world... Because if you're always doing the right yeah, thing in you, like that complex of ways. If you live in a world where every morning you wake up at 8 a.m. and you drive to work, and you get to work at 9 a.m., all right, that hour of that world is you going to work. But if you 
suddenly woke up at 9 a.m., you have missed work, you know, you are late, and you know how to lose another hour going to work. Your scenario is different, and you're going to have to make up for lost time. So, and if, you know, if we're talking about AI playing, you know, checkers or chess, whatever, it's different because now the, the advantage of choosing your first move is gone, you know? I mean, but, but you know, I'm getting a little sidetracked. The point is, when you're making a movie, it's an interesting point. Hmm. When you're making a movie, you can't have two AI. You have to have like a real two person. individual. You yes. can't have two fake people. Mm. Because I've definitely seen that as a trend now that you say it. Like in what? Like movies. But can, like, can, can you see can previews? Just because so I'm not quite sure. Like um, Anita. Natalie. Alita. Alita. I'm sorry. Alita. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but it looks cool. Like there's, there's, Alita is animated, or at least she's like super CGI. Yeah. And then, uh, there's this, there's this like I guess he's trying to be your boyfriend maybe I don't know I yeah, I've dude. only seen the preview but there's this dude and he's an actor like you can clearly see but it's we're getting to the point with CGI and movie production that it's like she looks really real and um, I don't know I that that's the first. Thing that comes to mind, no. but it there's a lot of other movies okay. now that here's, now that he says it. Here's no. what I mean. Yeah. Um, you can't write a movie about anybody but yourself. Mm. You can try. You can guess. You can do your best to step into someone else's shoes and think, what would it be like to be this person? But if you want to tell your truest story. You have to bring it from the self. From your life experience. Your your point of Mm. view, because that is the only thing that is truly unique about you, is your perspective. And if you simply try to show a perspective you think is cool, or that you think might fit in, your work will be dated, and there will come a time when it is no longer relevant. But a unique story, a good story, is timeless. I mean, people still love Blade Runner. That thing came out forever ago. Yeah, I mean, it's so good they ended up making a sequel years later. That's also pretty awesome. But don't tell anyone I said that. I, I, I was so. I, I, I have. I was kind of. I think I talked about this last last podcast, maybe a little bit. Or actually, I think that was actually how it started. Um, I was. I have this client that I built a workout plan for. That was. Uh, it's completely based off of like uh, her favorite fantasy book which is Harry Potter and uh, I did it like I I literally went to Google Maps recreated the entire map and changed all the names to be like it's not Hogwarts but it's like I redid the whole map um, to be like kind of Hogwarts-esque and so there's like uh, there's like Quidditch fields and stuff that she has to like go play in and so I created this whole universe um, and and I I when I was doing that, I, I uh, the way that I got to think about it was I, I was trying to find out like what made like Harry Potter so good anyway. It was like the only sequel, the only series of movies and books other than like Star Wars that I could think of that people still really fuck with the order. Like every single movie, every single story, it was like oh, it was a unique event. 
and it was and that's what makes that so unique and, and so I was trying to figure out um, like what creates that in the story and I was and uh, it, it sounds like that's kind of what you go for when you when you're thinking about filming something is like mm-hmm. everything is that unique am I drawing like a good thing together yeah. Look, okay I'll refine what you said a little bit how about that yeah please do so make me coherent because I'm just a bad movie all art starts with the same thing and that is a blank canvas whether you are a musician a screenwriter a painter hell a, you know a, a sculptor <laughs> doesn't matter you start with nothing but yourself. Art is an extension of self. And so if you find it really comforting to project an image of someone that isn't yourself, then maybe you're gonna try to write scripts about something that's made up, something that's fictional. But fiction isn't real. Fiction is reality. That's crucial. Fiction isn't existing because it's different. Fiction exists because reality is so daunting that it is easier to project the problems and experiences you feel in the real world into a reality that is completely and utterly unique. So Star Wars is like this fantastic example of a universe that came from a mind of someone who was, I'll be honest, bored. I mean, hmm. It all has to start with the fact that there's something you don't have. There's something you want. There's something you need. There is an empty space with a void to be filled. And the thing about film is that you can fill those voids with your own experiences. I mean, if any, if, if all three of us had the opportunity in the next 24 hours. We had to make a film. Shoot it, you know, write it, shoot it, edit it, get it done. If we all had to walk away, we were given all the resources we needed, make the best film possibly can. The film we come back with is gonna be different. Not one of ours is gonna be the same. And I say that's true of just about anyone on Earth. There will be similarities. There will be relationships repeated. There will be character dynamics repeated. Story structure, plot structure, all of that will be repeated. Because the truth is, is that while what's important comes from the self, what we have learned about storytelling is that it's cyclical, it's structural. And there are ways that people latch onto things. People try to solve problems when they watch them happen. It's, there's a psychology aspect that, that you really have to think about, which is, you know, how, am I, how do I want the audience to feel? How am I gonna feel? How's the character gonna feel? How would I feel if I were a character in this situation? That's the character, that's the question I, I find myself asking the most. And it's, honestly, I don't even remember the question at this point, but in my 10 hour work day, I am constantly trying to answer that question of what I would do if I had the most influence over this project as possible. So when I work with a client, I'm thinking, what do they want? How can I meet that want? But how can I make it my own? Because, let's be honest, I mean, if you really want to be an artist that is successful in, a, in the world of today, you can't settle for making art for, for other people. You have to make your art and 
act like it's for these other people, right? I mean, if if you want to make money, no, I think not only if you want to make money, if you want to stand out, because the truth to is, make unique things, you quality can make quality your content. I'm, I'm pointing at Ryan. Ryan can make his art. I'm pointing at Paula. Paula can make his art. I point at myself, and I can make my art. But if Paula asked me to make his art for him because I have technical skill, because I have technical skill. Paulo is missing a really crucial aspect of what he's doing, which is art is expression of self. And so going through someone else is, it's just like, you know, putting water through a filter. I mean, if you don't do something yourself, you are not going to get better at it. So when I'm making art, I am not telling the story because you paid me to do it. I'm not telling the story because you want to hear it. I'm telling it because I think I have to say it. I feel that I have to say it. And sadly, right? Yeah. Sadly, in this world, uh, we rely on money. And the best I can do is find like-minded folks like myself who have these visions, but don't have the technical aspect. And I heart to heart with them. I, I learn about as much as I possibly can from the people I work with because I want to know their baggage. I want to know what keeps them up at night. I want to know who their character is in this piece of art I'm making for them. And I want to find a way to get that tone, to get that feeling, to have my intent and show it. I don't want to tell you how to feel. I want to show you these things and let you feel them. It's beautiful, man. <laughs> Dang. That's a true passion. Thanks. That is, that is a true passion. I think that's what makes anyone who is successful in their field really there I mean I mean you hear that said is is, is passion but it's really yeah. it's really that creative drive nobody can to, do it for you that's yeah. the point yeah yeah it's also and, what keeps you going when you're bored like cause yeah it, when you're when you get overwhelmed with passion it's like mm-hmm. there is no boredom there's always time to fill because even just sitting in a room thinking you don't even have to like meditate you you need to be staring off into space which is like I guess meditation but you know that there's always time to fill with thought and pondering the next move, what you're doing, you're like thinking about all the things that also also inspire you. There's so much that goes into, because like I'm sure Tyler can attest to this, but like there's things in your childhood that obviously are unique to you because you grew up in like only you grew up with your parents, and right, so. Right, right. Like and your parents had like a specific. Every everyone's unique because they yeah. they had a unique childhood and and there's so many small things that come from your childhood that you know that inspire you to like do the thing to create yeah. what you do and yeah. like you know it goes to like how much television you watched, which shows you watched, mm-hmm. which ones you liked, mm-hmm. if you played sports or not. Like all of it just goes into it because. Watching a film is a visceral feeling. At least, you know, yeah, if a you film really that can. connects with you and res- resonates with you. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so 10 hours, I, it was kind of a stupid idea to like no, it's ask not. you a question. But like, because like I know what I would do and I guess yeah. like 
you know, we've, I mean, we've I'll, spent I'll, enough let, time together. Let me tell you my ten hour. I know a lot of my ten hour day today. Well, I woke up at about nine a.m. Yeah, and see what you said. I did. You know, kind of got up to date with my world. Talked to my talked to my folks a little bit. Um, Mom was sick this morning, so um, saw she was feeling. Make sure she was all right. And then I sat down from my computer. I edited. Get better um, tell this mom. So, Get yeah. Better tell. Shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. Um, I, I, I do nutrition plans if you, if, if you want to get back. I'm just a little quicker. Uh, Go on, Tyler. Did some editing for a few hours. I've got a music video in the pipeline right now. Um, so I did made some decent work on that. Uh, and then, like I said, I'm writing this feature film. So I uh, went over to my writing partner's place and we, we uh, cranked, some, cranked some material out for a few hours. And uh, now today I am here on this podcast. Uh, jamming, jamming. Thank you. It's so really, real I, hardcore over here. I, I <laughs> use it to the best I can without killing myself, because one hundred percent is different from one hundred and ten percent. Because if you give one hundred and ten percent, you need that recovery period for that last ten percent, and really, you need a recovery period for that hundred percent. Any work you put in, you have to recover from it. Because if you just work yourself constantly, you'll you'll burn. You know, I mean, there's there's no way. You just can't. That's insanity. Yeah, like it really is. You have to let yourself breathe. You know, I mean, like Usain Bolt doesn't run his like what nine second hundred meters or something, and then I don't know. He's insane. Whatever. He doesn't run an insanely short, uh, sorry, long distance in an insanely short amount of time. And then Constantly. do it immediately again, yeah. and then immediately again, and immediately again. That's impossible. No, dude, most of his runs are like half the lap. Like exactly. That. He's doing a lot of that in yeah. strength training. And because you, you as a cyclist know this. You can't give 100% the whole time as an no. endurance racer. Fuck nope. no. And increasingly as like I'm getting into endurance running, like I'm learning that too. It's especially for trail running. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning that you have to take it easy on like when the when the rocks get small and when you're, mm-hmm. when it's likely that you're gonna roll an ankle, you have to like go as easy as possible. Yeah. That's your rest period. And then there's like these smoother sections mm-hmm. that are that have smaller rocks. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like you, you haul yeah. ass on that and you 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 make up time where you can and you take it easy where you exactly. can't when you're down mm-hmm. and you but you're always aware and that's yeah. like. That's a universal yes. rule. You have to that doesn't aware. go for just running or any of these disciplines. No, I, and it's I, like, think, I think the exact same thing applying to my, my workflow. I mean, mm-hmm. I know when I can afford to take it a little easier, and I know when I need to put in the work. Yeah. And part of trying to become a working professional over all these, year, all these years is making those mistakes of running too hard when I shouldn't and not running hard enough when I should have. And it helps me identify where I can afford to you know, scale it back where I can't afford to run that one ten percent because I know when and where that time will be where mm-hmm. I need to give that effort. And yeah, it, see, it, I, I, this is one of those times where like I, I definitely I understand I, I do. I am so the I am so that weird one percent of that butt. person yeah, who 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 I really do like give like I I am the person who would like ride or run a PR 
and literally do it again. Yeah. And and I, I every single every single time I hit the same segment, like I'm trying to beat that segment every yeah. single day and or every single time I do it, even if I do it multiple times in a day. Yeah. That's what's so important about personal workflow. Some people do two hundred percent, but are you gonna do it a third time or a fourth time or a fifth time? There's a limit, right? You can't PR over and over again in the same session. Eventually, but I but I will be physically incapable. But I will be trying, and yes. and that's that's yeah. that's the that's the thing though is like yeah. that. My problem is that like that that's what I do, and so it does. It, it, I mean, you're saying that you know it it would cause issues. You know, it would cause me, I cause you to like burn out. For me, you and, know, and, yeah. no, and, and I'm agreeing with that because my problem is that I I do I have to do that or I do do that, and I can't like take the chill part. So I I have to I struggle with the harder part of not like when do I need to go hard and when do I not if it's all always full of gas it's when do I how do I fit in the time off how do I make myself I know that slide into that I, I have chill been zone? there I have certainly been there and I think that it's really crucial that uh, you can't be afraid to put yourself first Right, and what I mean by that is, you know, my, my line of work, I find myself, I'm constantly relying on other people to help me get my job done, and then, you know, I can't do it all. I have these clients, I have to communicate, I have people I work with and create with, and I have expectations, those people have expectations of me, I have expectations of them. Yeah. Um, but in a world where it's all you, like when you're on a bike, when you're hitting those records. I mean, imagine what it must feel like to be a world record holder in something, like I, I saw a video of this guy uh, who's really good at doing like uh, billiards, like trick shots, you know, like mm-hmm. pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, I think he broke like four of his own records <laughs> in one video. God damn. Like, Christ. Yeah, like world <laughs> records, That's like crazy pool tricks. Like dudes like, you know, hopping balls over other balls but like 15 of them in a row in like, you know, 20 seconds. Crazy. (laughs) I mean, he's basically jerking off on the Guinness Book of World Records. Dude, honestly. But that's the thing. In in a world like cycling or billiards or somewhere where really you're competing with yourself, yes, you should go that hard. Absolutely. When you are trying to hit your peak, if you truly want to never not climb, then you have to run like that. You have to know when you're approaching those peaks. I, I personally, I can't live in breaking a PR every day because I define my success in my projects, right? I see completed yeah, yeah. film as an homage to the work I've put in. So. Of course, it's my work when I make a narrative and I tell a story. I want it to be the best story I've ever told, hands down. But when I make these commercial projects, you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking more about honing my technical ability than my narrative ability because the stories are so much simpler and the opportunities I'm given are so unique that I find it easier to focus more on knowing my tools and learning to use my tools in the right environment so that when I get to the plate, when I have to step up and really make the art I care about 
have the right tools. And I know that I need to give my 200%, my 300%. I know that if I don't, then I shouldn't. It's good. It's yeah. good. So I, uh, I was talking about, you know, TV shows and media as a kid that you took in and mm-hmm. that, you know, led to some of your inspirations. Yeah which is just part of the process mm-hmm. of growing up. I was wondering what, like, I don't know, what are the f- a few of your, like, favorite things yeah. that you grew up on that have, like, really driven you? Ratatouille. Ratatouille? Ratatouille. Yes. 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 I saw that, like, four times, I think. Yeah, Ratatouille um, has actually... I did not like it as much as you do. It, it I'm has, sure, though. It has come oh. up in... Oh, for sure. I <laughs> talk... Every time someone talks to me, talks to me about... My favorite animated film, Ratatouille, tops the list just about every time. Uh, that and Akira, but Akira is a little more vague. Mm. Um, Ratatouille is perfect because it encapsulates everything about the human experience that any young person, maybe even older people, I wouldn't know. Of course, I'm not really, I'm not old, um, <laughs> at least not uh, relatively speaking. He's got gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's me. Great. Um, I can't relate to that. But from my point of view, can you imagine um, being a bullet that didn't want to kill someone, that didn't want to be fired out of a gun and used to take a life or hurt someone? It's interesting. <laughs> imagine being a rat that wants to cook food. <laughs> You know, imagine like, yeah. that's such a crazy perspective. Iron Giant did the same thing. I think that the inspiration um, from Brad Bird for that for that film was if a gun didn't want to be a gun. Like, what I love about Ratatouille is that it is the perfect example of existing beyond what is expected of you. And at the same time, it is funny, it is dramatic, it is everything that I love in a, in a Pixar, you know, Disney type animated film. And it's universally accessible because the central theme is, you know, food. And who the fuck doesn't like food, man? <laughs> oh, wow. Like Ratatouille is the perfect movie. I gotta see it again. Bro, I'm like, let's watch some Ratatouille. Put it on. Wow. Pull <laughs> <laughs> that shit wide open. Love it. Um, Funny enough, uh, on the very flip side of that, I also yeah. grew up on like the prequel movies for Star Wars, <laughs> which are no. you know, just trash. Yeah. Did you, um, and did you I, watch those before the originals? I have no, I have no memory of what order I watched them originally. But um, what I do know is that I am permanently damaged as a result. No, um, I know, I know. Uh, it's funny. Like, I also grew up watching, like, Adam Sandler's, like, you know, Happy Madison movies, uh, which are... Yes. Yeah, yes. like, it's really pretty lowbrow shit, but... It's amazing. It's are amazing. you kidding? Amazing. Are you kidding? It's that amazing. Shit was, yeah, dude. Yo, what was the... Uh, Happy was Gilmore. Big Daddy or... Big Daddy. Yeah. That had the, the Spurs twins. The, oh, my the kids God, from bro. Sweet Life that Zachary was Cody. amazing. That, yeah. was a, that was a great movie. Yeah, I mean... No, no, no. Who was your favorite Star Wars character, man? My, who was mine? Yeah. 
That's a tough. I actually have never been asked that question before. What the fuck? <laughs> I got. Yeah, I just spit on the mic. That's right. Damn. Okay, we're gonna wait for Tyler real quick. Everyone be silent while he thinks. God damn. Get caught up, Dude. bro. Ryan, do you know? <laughs> my, my, my. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hear it. Now, I always like Darth Maul. <laughs> Dude. That's a good uh, one. Dude, he That's was the only one. one with the double lightsaber. I thought that shit was so gnarly. I was like, dude, why did he die so fast? This man could have had it all. <laughs> he looks so scary. It's gotta be Han Solo, man. Mm. It's gotta be Han. You know why? I was classic Anakin. I loved him. I loved yeah. the way he fought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was all about the fighting scenes. All right. Tell yeah. me oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Han Solo. That guy. And then he got so elite, he just used the force for everything. Little trick thing. <laughs> the thing about Han Solo is Harrison Ford, for one, is just a certain level of cool. All right, like for sure. Yeah, and especially yeah. that era of Harrison Ford. He's like Clint Eastwood cool. He is like Clint Eastwood cool. Well put. Um, I love his whole arc of being just this guy who kind of ends up caught up in all this stuff. But he stays on board when he really at any point during the franchise he could have just kind of left he could have taken the millennium falcon and booked it but he decided to help the rebels and that to me is the sign of a of a, a truly noble and important character a well-written character at that i mean han solo man it's in the name solo on his own mm. talk about overcoming expectations i mm. mean imagine being named like alone you know just you and then let me dude did he have that, the, I get as a label but who, he had the your favorite he, sci-fi character dude, in he general had, he had the moving rug walking with him dude I mean, was, did you see did you see yeah. solo his, yeah, his no, no i haven't seen it yet but oh yeah God. i i like that actually i do <laughs> i i liked donald glover quite a bit but enough about reviewing movies Agreed. Um, Who's your favorite sci-fi character? I, I have favorite, one. I have one. I have one for sure. What's yours? I have to think about it because I don't watch a ton of sci-fi, honestly. Well, like, it's from a video game, honestly. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. Uh, Master Master Chief. Oh, dude, Master Chief's the man. I just, I was always obsessed with this character. I thought that the way, like, I got so drawn into that. Like, I bought every console. I bought an Xbox for that game because Microsoft owned it. Like, I was. That was really. Other than that, like I get, I really can't get that into storylines of a lot of games. And now games are tr- trying to become more like films. Honestly, have you seen? Yeah, have you seen some of the new new oh games? Oh my god, I could fucking rant about how shit video game story is. I mean, <laughs> good god, oh yeah. Um, give it to us. Have you have you seen some of the new ones though? Wait, hold on. I think I did enough silence there. I'm gonna go pee real quick. And then Go hands We are. Oh my god, you guys. Alright. We are, in fact, back. Do you remember what we were talking about? Um Yes, <clears> I was gonna I was gonna shit all over video games, games trying stories, to be movies yeah. um, and then we were rudely interrupted by the sound of my car being towed away <laughs> from yes that did just happen also Ryan's apartment okay <laughs> I guess I'm going to show video games now um, and I'm going to use the rage of my targeting 
fucking toad uh, to shit on them. Here's the deal about a movie. You don't get a say in a movie. You part, you make the decision to watch it. And if you're in a theater, you're usually you're dedicated to it. Uh, if you're you know on your phone or your laptop, you can kind of clock out any time, which is honestly, I, I try to avoid watching movies on my phone or my laptop whenever possible because a movie is an experience. And I think that just because you don't like the first five minutes doesn't mean you're not going to like the next, you know, 85. So it's too easy to not get into something fast enough. But then again, you know, it's an argument for, you know, make inter- entertaining movies. Video games, at least, you know, I don't want to generalize too much, but my experience with video games is that they act like you have a hand in it, but you don't. And that is because you are effectively, I mean, nowadays, you know, there's some games that do have a kind of decision-making uh, system, a kind of mechanic, where you know you can choose one person over another, or make one decision over another, and it might have some kind of small change. But ultimately, it's for the most part, video games as we've known them traditionally have not had that, and it's been you are effectively playing the protagonist through their, you know, I'm using air quotes here, movie, uh, and you're just supposed to be happy with whatever you get. And I feel like what's so nice about a movie is you don't have to put any goddamn effort in. You just need to sit back, relax, and just coexist with this film to, to vibe with it. But with with these games, man, I, I don't know. I don't. You, you don't find them immersive at all? I, I really don't. Um, gotcha. I mean, something about it is like, I feel like it's like a movie, but with extra steps. So do you feel like it's too much effort to get the story out of it? I feel like there's almost never a really good story for one thing, because there's so much attention to like gameplay mechanics and all these extra components that um, really add a lot of dimensions to a game that movies don't have, uh, at least that I can see. And it kind of models things. I mean... A movie's got what about like CGI in movies or I don't mind it I mean it just needs to I don't want to notice it you know like I just want it to be good enough I mean fuck Jurassic Park had fantastic practical effects and there was some CG in it as well but how it never feel, pulled me out how do you feel about old town um, VR video games is that something you'd be I've tried um VR stuff before, mostly when it was in its earlier days. I haven't tried it since it started getting a little more crazy, but uh, I personally um, I think that the the path we're headed down is dangerous in terms with VR. Of VR and AI. Yeah, it is. And it, reality. Yes, because VR. man you gotta have a hand on the wheel, alright? Uh, in, in, in when I say that I mean in life I don't mean when you're watching a movie or playing a game I mean you need to have control over what you're doing Yes. and when you are surrendering your perception of what is real to this uh, to this idea of a game I mean alright so the thing about humans is that we haven't survived and evolve like survived long enough to evolve through being the biggest or fastest in our environments always. 
Mm-hmm. But we've always been the best at banding together and outsmarting our competition. And now that there's like very little risk and hard, like true hardship, like overcoming famine or something like, like I don't know, yeah. hunter gatherer kind of stuff. Yeah. Since since agriculture, it's like really Tribalism. changed. Um, yeah. Changed. Changed our like the way we live and the way we go through life and mm-hmm. I think we're just going through a lot of like growing pains as a, mm. as a species oh, I because we're not faced with any of the we're, we're like being faced with problems within instead of external yeah issues it's not, it's not at least here in the yeah. first world yes, yes. it is um, no longer external a lot of our issues are internalized and they get projected out instead of actually acknowledged, you know? Stress. We've, yeah. we've talked about that before. The stress used to be an environmental thing. The stress response, whether it's because you feel like you have a, a due date that you have to get done or whether it's because you have like a, a lion attacking you, your stress response is the exact same. All of our stress is now from a work thing. We don't have to like fight for survival anymore. Honestly, I feel like the lack of movement, the our, our like inability to experience those kinds of physical stresses, like I, I don't. That's not that's not the future humans. I, can, I don't think. I, can speak I think we're that. making ourselves kind of stupid. That's a lot of our brain is all of that primal. If we're not activating that, like I think. I think I think we're starting to get dumber. <laughs> I speak to that because I've been like super skinny for most of my life and I've only been like putting on been putting on muscle for the last probably like six months and it changes how you how you go through life, how you walk down a sidewalk. It changes the confidence you have because like the work you put in to gain that muscle, if it's like, you know, body weight and like really like you you earn it when you earn it you keep it and so so many people aren't earning it um like with this like plastic surgery and i don't know it's necessary for some people but i'm not about it i think like you, you need to earn it so that you so that you can keep it and through the process of like really working your own body and forcing yourself to do that kind of thing it alleviates stress. Mm-hmm. It alleviates stress and like helps you work through your own shit because you got to be with yourself. Absolutely. And you have to force yourself to do undesirable tasks, which right. is like a you know you I'm, builds character. All right, I'm all about the character building. All about that. I have a I have a derailment because mm. I'm still fucking pissed. My car got towed. <laughs> I'm sorry. So here's the deal. All right. Say you have a field. It's your field. One big field. Sure. Alright. Some guy keeps leaving his shit on your field. It's your field. It's his shit. You have the right to move it. I'm okay with that. You have the right to move it somewhere safe. Off your field. Great. However. (laughs) However. You don't clearly put up signs that says "Don't leave your shit here." How <laughs> are people oh supposed God. to know this they're not shade. allowed to park there? Just, just call them out, dude. Who is it? J and J Towing. There it is. 
You guys. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right there. You guys. Can, can we get a squad together you, you to go come, fuck them up? I want a class action lawsuit. A class action. Where, where's, the, where's our lawyers at? I don't know how cars work. I really don't. My emergency brake was engaged. I do not know how the fuck you tow away a car which has its wheels locked. It's the reason why we heard it when it happened. Yeah, it was <laughs> screaming. It was just like, Tyler, help me. I'm being stolen. And I was like, no, it's probably someone else's car. That horn doesn't sound oddly familiar. Ignore it, Tyler. Have you experienced the bike locks that have alarms when you move them? I don't. I haven't. Oh my god, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> this dude locks his bike up at Whole Foods with it. It works there. It's dude, time, I, I put my bike next to it one time and I hit the railing and the thing went off on me. I left. <laughs> Not Whole Foods today. I don't know. Man. But you know what? I'm going to get my car back by the end of the night. I'm going to pay my insane $200. Oh, fuck. And I'm never going to park in front of Ryan's apartment ever again. <laughs> Tyler, what's your Venmo? Uh, my Venmo is at Tyler-Taliaferro. Please send me money. Yeah, can we help but him out with that? Good, good luck spelling my last name. Um, <laughs> Venmo in the fucking SoundCloud description. Come on, help him out. <laughs> Those guys. Even if it's even if this is like you're listening to it like three months from now, just just help them out, break yeah. even, guys. In the long run, we'll I'm, make it happen. Not being so much debt, please help. I know, I, I know, y'all can help them. Hold on up there. Penny's count. Oh, got my mic. Don't donate to Tyler's cause, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, that being said, leave his Venmo Joe driver's got to make a living. I get that. I don't blame the person doing the towing. I blame the person who said, let's steal people's cars. They're and aggressive. Extort them. They're really aggressive in this area. This is extortion. This, <laughs> <laughs> it's extortion. Okay. this is legal is, extortion. Okay, look, it's not like there's like an extremely limited number of parking spaces out there. There were many, many open spaces <laughs> mm-hmm. next to the one. Like I was like one car next to one other car, and then there were like ten spaces in the adjacent area. Should have parked wicked close so they couldn't. I did. I double parked. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> because oh, the guy next to me was also double parked, maybe so that's I why was like, told you. right oh, in. Shit. On. Yeah, maybe. No. No. You know why? Because that other guy was double parked. They so would have told him. Uh. So no, that's not why. You know what? Let's, let's redact can, that from the record. I wasn't double parked. Can, can they <laughs> not tow two it. people at the that. same time? I don't think so. I think that would be difficult. Point is, double parking is not illegal. <laughs> um, what should be illegal is taking someone's property and then extorting them um, without proper signage. I am frustrated, guys. But you know what? There's more to life than getting your car towed. Yeah, I'm going to read you something. Yeah, let's talk about something that I enjoy. Okay. Let's, let's, let's from our favorite, back. from my favorite fucking monkey, at least. Like, pretty much literally. Are you pulling up a quote for me? If you ever start <laughs> taking things too seriously, just remember that we are talking monkeys <laughs> on an organic spaceship flying through the universe. That's real. And my, yeah. but we are my, not my, condoning my drugs on this podcast. My spaceship has been taken from me, bro. <laughs> this monkey is salty. 
this is good shit. Oh my god. That was golden. I need my spaceship. Dude, you need a bike. I'm not I'm not hating on cars. But Except I, I ride faster than I'm in the city. What if I booted my own car? <laughs> Whenever I that would be somewhere. genius, dude. That's a life hack. Like you what figure if I, that shit what out. If I let me know. A boot with me to places where I'm not supposed to park, and then I would boot my car in those places. So it'd be like clearly I've been punished. I wonder already. if you can buy them. I oh, bet I, you can I buy bet one. I could. I bet I could buy a boot from fucking J and J's towing. Like a yes. Oh I'll my god. Boot my own goddamn car. Oh my god. That being said, I don't know if you've ever seen a video of someone trying to drive with a boot on. <laughs> But it fucks the car. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, it completely oh, yeah. destroys oh, yeah. that yes. section of the car. No, it will totally so your car. It, I don't know if J&J's towing is savage enough to try to tow my car with a boot on it and just fuck it. Because technically, it wouldn't be their liability. Uh, I mean, sorry. I My legal opinion is that it would actually be J&J's towing my own li- liability. <laughs> Please don't fuck up my car. <laughs> God. Oh, God. It doesn't even matter how it goes, too, because even if they fucked it up, just for you to get your car back to prove it was fucked up, you have to pay him $200. I want my spaceship! <laughs> I want my fucking spaceship. You guys. This could be your spaceship. I'm pretty happy right now. <laughs> this is my spaceship. We're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to cut that. I think we had over an hour anyway, but... I don't care. I just want to talk. Should we just banter for a while? Let's just banter. I don't give a just shit. Just leave the mics on. You, we'll you, just talk. You have so much good. Good and so much trash. So there's going there's to be ample opportunity. Maybe you can just make a second fucking podcast out of one of them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would actually be... Uh, what a lot of people are doing is they're... They're recording and making extra content, putting it on Patreon for like... Yeah, you know special things which I don't like. I, I don't. I think we should Patreon putting informational like creations for only like paid users. I think it should only be like passion projects and cool cool shit that okay. like you don't want yeah. a ton of people extra content out, but, like extra content that's just like us raw. Yeah, like if you if you're really digging it. Yeah, come so like yeah, I'm gonna set yeah. that up for never not climbing and I want it to be everyone. So like and like. Like an uncut version kind of thing. Like everyone's shit on it. If that they're cool, we should do. We should do an uncut version. Yeah, that would yeah. be nice. That yeah. would be a nice. It, yeah, yeah. Never not climbing uncut. You yeah. can do it as a Patreon. Yeah, that's sick. That's a badass idea. So, actually, I it's love that. Like, um, I love it's that. Like if we can put version of never everyone's not stuff in it, like your music and everything, like certain stuff, if you want, if you yeah, want, we, we can we can start sharing awesome, sharing the baller profits eventually. I don't know. It's it's not gonna be much for like a long time, but. That's, yeah, you know, started, cool. started I mean, out like cool. that. Sounds Actually, like that deal. video that we recorded is that. All right, have you the gotten one? to that? Yeah, the on the iPhone from from Sixth Street. From Sixth Street, somewhere on my computer. Do you okay, know, okay. Address, I really wanna. There. I really wanna see that. Like, cause when I got it, it was just so pixelated. Mm. I want to see it better. I sure. thought that was so cool, man. Would you be able to find it, or would it be like it's a project? On okay, okay. Which is, dude, I have to I really more like more and more shit every single podcast, which I'm, like, excited about. But also, like, it, I have to bulk up just to carry all this gear. 
which is dude you, i got so much insp- inspiration from casey um one of his videos was like talking about how he would make this com- like hour-long commute into new york with this heavy camera bag like and it it like it wore on him so that like it motivated him too like he told this story forever ago and i watched it when i was like like carrying the world on your shoulder yeah just like this is my responsibility this is what i'm doing it's like dude that's stuck with me it's the baggage yeah on a a similar note i always find it fun to walk around with my tripod on my on my over my shoulder because i feel like i'm carrying a mace that i could just beat the shit out of somebody with they fucked with me yeah not that you know, not that I'm looking for any dude, opportunity that's what to I love beat the about shit out of somebody, but I feel you. That's what I love about that lock on my bike, dude. That shit's a weapon. That's right? a lethal weapon, bro. Right? That could crack a skull for sure. That's why I like riding brakeless, because you don't have to hold on to any brakes, so you just hold the lock in your hand. Yes. If any fucking car, you, you like wave them on with the U-lock. You're like, hey, come on. Okay, you got you. Problem? Oh, fuck yeah. you. Let's go. Let's go. I, I know most of it. I have gotten off my bike in traffic to yell at people more times than I should have. And more times than I would like to admit. Like, I, I, I try and be a lot... I am a much more calm rider now than I was when I, like, first started. Because I would... Oh, man, dude. People would do something that was like... I, I mean, today. Today. Just today. I was, I was riding down uh, Rainy Street and I go to make the turn that like goes down past the park in like under 35 and uh, this lady just comes she's going towards 35 she turns down Rainy Street so she's coming down the street towards me she's going so fast down there she takes the turn she takes it so wide and she just doesn't even fucking see me until I'm right next to her and like I literally had to put my hand up so I didn't clip her mirror I was just like like, I would have, in the past, like, fucking spun a 180, chased her down, and just bitched her out, like, throw my bike in front of her car. Like, I, I definitely would have done that at a certain point. But I was just like, God damn, you motherfucker. Like, are you serious right now? And I just kept riding. My Big favorite, goal, thing, to, for me. My favorite <laughs> thing to tell them is, I have, I've had friends that have died. Yeah. Don't fucking... Don't fit, fucking make me one of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it like sticks with them. Cause like, if you look them dead in the fucking eyes and you're like, yo, like it's not true. cool. It's yeah. True. I'm not going to like get, I'm not going to hurt you, but fuck, you can't do yeah. that. The truth I, will set you free. Yeah. First, come on. Piss you just, off. just fucking drive better. Drive, drive better. better. <laughs> yes, that should yes. be a drive better. It's a death machine. That just drive be a, just a shirt, oh, man. Put that on my bike. I want to put that on my bike. Drive better. Man, it's yeah. a tattoo right No, there. honestly, like, it, 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 and it pisses me <laughs> off that, like, there's now, because all the scooter shit mostly, but, like, a lot more people are riding bikes, too, and, like, all the B-cycle stuff. Um, people are, like, you know, you have, like, they're being bigger assholes about, like, having to get off your bike and walk around. It's like, dude, I could track stand for days. I'm not worried about going so slow that I fall off my bike. Like, that's not going to happen. It should be based on, like, skill. And you can tell. When someone is riding a bike and they, like, know what the fuck they're doing and they have bike handling skills, you can see. We we can because we've spent so much time in the community. Some, probably most bike cops don't. I, I actually I talk to most of the bike cops because I'm 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 usually curious on like if they actually ride mm-hmm. and most of them they're actually a lot of them like they really mountain bike like mm-hmm. they they go to Spider Mountain like they're they're Fuck into yeah. it okay. yeah they have no, to ride dope. those 
stupid shitty treks and I've talked to him about it and like asked him like is there a better bike you can ride and he's like man I wish and I like but yeah a couple That's of great. them that I've talked to they have like Santa Cruz like full size Santa Cruz's and they're like kind of into it I thought the same thing dude I was like he's I can never I mean, catch really. that being said though I could still yeah. take any of them on on it for sure and smoke them no, for I'm sure. not for sure. Not, I'm not boasting here. It's just a fact. Yeah, no, no, no. For sure. Thank for sure. <laughs> for sure. Tyler, you on that Canada, you could easily do it. Fuck you just yeah. fly. Yeah. It's Dude, not hard. I. They got a lot of weight on this place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, it's been a and, long And that's the time. thing is they have to have those because they have to be very easily replaceable parts, like sturdy bikes that they can be on all day. What they need is like a different tire no suspension and racks in the front because it's easier to accelerate and so dude they need they need to all ride the cutthroat that would be so sick the salsa cutthroat if they all had the carbon cutthroat like <laughs> with carbon baggage and everything dude oh my god they should let them ride their own bikes I know that's what they should do. I know. Like that's I, I want, I want, Like you know how you know how in the UK like in the the autobahn like there's no speed limits right? Yeah. So they have specific like fleets of cop cars that do nothing but drive the autobahn right? And they're like Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Yeah. Dude, we should have like a full squad of APD just bike racers just <laughs> chasing motherfuckers down. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I would, I would like to I see I could that. get behind it. But at the same time, I like to be able to outrace any Here's what I Here's what I I just think that would be, so, be kind of cool, That's though. some police state shit, man. You can't give them all that power. You can't give them cars that fast. I, I just think it would be funny to see. Like, I wonder what they would do. Like, I wonder if they'd have, like, arrow helmets and look like aliens. <laughs> What I kind of scary. I think, I, what I think is that with even without already <laughs> even without all those like those, they should be able to catch supercars without supercars. They should be that good because they have a lot more people. Like, I agree. Well, they have I more resources. Like that. Yeah, they have more resources and. But here's like, also. But the car, that's kind of like a car. No, the cars that they get though. Statement, but I, like that's what I truly believe. They should be that good. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the cruisers though. They're like they're not stock engines. Like no, they're, they're definitely not. not. Yeah, they're cars. Po- yeah, police interceptors. Yeah. Police interceptors are their own class of vehicle. Yeah. That shit's crazy, actually. Mm-hmm. Like the. Um, <laughs> The amount of torque that they have, <laughs> bro. Those cop cars will fuck you up, man. I don't fuck with cop. Fucking boogie. That being said, you should fuck with J and J towing. Yo, <laughs> oh my god, I can't stop. <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> fuck. Shit. Oh, bye phone. It's okay. I dropped my phone on the floor. Um, has your mom texted Paula? Telling the podcast, we're waiting on a text from your mom. Let's see if Mama Hernandez has texted me. I hope so. No, she hasn't. Sad face. It's okay. Probably have to get an Uber. I'll live. Alright, I'm gonna split that with you. Oh, fuck. So, on another note. On another note. (laughs) (sighs) What we got to talk about? What were we about to talk about? 
Now, if I were listening to a podcast, yeah, which I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I really don't know oh, if this is like standard okay. behavior. I, I was, actually really kind of thought you did. I listened to this one, of course. Uh, I listened to you know Joe Rogan and Bill Burr and all those, all, all, those the, good, all the good ones. Yeah, but um, I don't listen to like podcast podcast i listen to people talking about shit you know i listen to like dudes conversation yeah it's conversation i just like i like feeling like i'm a part of that conversation and um what i think is so great about this whole idea of never not climbing is that it's conversation encouraging positivity and, and growth and um with very little judgment hopefully yeah absolutely i mean i have absolutely no intention of passing judgment on anybody here or anybody who ever goes on this you know i mean i think it's it's part of life i mean no one's ever gonna say the right thing no one's ever gonna be perfect you know like I think that going on things like this is important because it really kind of demonstrates your your humanity. I mean, I don't get many opportunities to talk about myself like earlier. That's it's really humbling. It's strange to have someone expect that I talk about myself. But I think it's important. It's like therapy almost. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to... People are interested mm-hmm. in like what you have to say and just like speak. Yeah. <laughs> speak about what you're interested in. It's like, I think that's why you should only surround yourself with people yes. that are not only willing to listen, but like, you know, you say of oh, the like mindset, but like, what does that mean? It, it means people that are going to want to hear what you have to say and like, let you speak about yourself and not feel like that competition between, you know, because sometimes you talk to people and it's like, man, like. Why is it every time I tell you something that's going good on my life, I feel like you're like, oh, yeah, is everything so fun for you? It's like, man, fuck off. No, I just want to tell you about, like, th- things that are nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do I, I mean, why do you, people are so conditioned now to only pay attention to the shit that they only want to talk about shit. It's like, no, if I want to talk about the things that are going good in my life, that's not me being an asshole and gloating. That's, like, me trying to share with you. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> good stuff I mean it's good stuff still have a hard time doing that kind of thing yeah who does which is like yeah it's natural I think that humanity is imperfect I mean we can always we can opt we can optimize and logically it's sure it's easy to look at something and you know program yourself to act a certain way but you know no one wants to be a robot well like there's always I think this like a large scale system like this works best well you know in our scenario when everyone is critical like when everyone is armed with critical thinking and introspection introspection like again like the time and the time and space to work their own stuff out on their own because that's so so crucial to developing the self and like being self-reliant which is <clears throat> it's important it's not everything because you know there's fucking 7.5 billion of us and um like there's no way I, th- I, think, it, I like, think it is important I think that's the most important well 
the self. Like you have to know yourself. No, I, you, I completely agree. Oh, okay, okay. I was just saying like it's it's not everything because we we have there's so many people on earth that like you know it's easy to go find. It's not easy, but you know. There's more and more people that you can just explore your ideas with and sure. just move on. Have you from. ever? Have and you so, ever? Hold on, let me, let me okay. get this right. But like, yeah, okay. the self is the most important. Like, you should know yourself. You should be okay with yourself, and your your home should be within yourself. So it's like, that, that's important. Mm-hmm. You must. You have to like, like, I think of it like clams a little. Like, you have to be able to be comfortable jumping into your own clamshell and like chilling there so that you can then take your clamshell and go somewhere else mm-hmm. and hang out with other clams who have their own, who are in their own shells, but you can like, you know, you can intermingle and hang out and Interesting do all metaphor. that kind of thing. It's not my metaphor, but I'm oh, gonna, fine. It, it's the one I like to use. No, what I was going to ask was, um, do you ever um, just kind of feel something about somebody and then stop think about why you feel that way and then change it because I, I, I find that is one of the more um, lifting parts of life is learning just from the smallest things of that that the people decisions. Do. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's to me that's what what like I I have a brain in my gut which is not it's not like a thinking brain but it it, it tells me when I'm uncomfortable like everyone knows that feeling mm-hmm. when they're like yeah. stomach drops and yeah, that's something in their gut. is something is and so like in the way that's that's a feeling but that's not always a good or a bad feeling necessarily you know you, you go to fucking hang out with a, yeah, a pretty girl and yeah, it's yeah. like it's the same feeling as flying for the first time and you're like whoa you know that kind of thing so it's it's knowing to recognize when you get that feeling and then transferring it to like to up here in your head so that you can ponder it and think it over and make a calculated decision based on what's best for you and the people around you, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, but you know, I don't know if that was what you're no, going on. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we talk about that. You know that we often, as a society, give people flack for being what is we we call self-centered, which basically means that in a given scenario a person's placed in, they will look out for themselves amongst, uh, uh, not amongst, look out for themselves rather than others in a given situation, mm. which on its own is not a bad thing. You should look out for yourself. However, we also agree that people seem to owe each other something on, on, on some weird, you know, gorilla brain level, lizard brain. Mm. Like... Um, the, the, the example that comes to mind is like, if you, you know, go back to like, you know, early, like we're talking really like hunter gatherer, like early farming, humans, pre, pre, uh, pre historic agriculture. Okay. Pre real civilization, Mm -hmm. but like kind of getting at the start of it, like pre hierarchy, basically I'll give a scenario. You'll kind of get the idea the time. I own a plot of land. You own a plot of land. They're the same size, 
but you are producing twice as much food as me. And from what I can see, there is no given difference. What that really means is that you know something I don't know, right? And I want to do everything in my power to know what that thing is, okay? You don't owe me that thing. You really have no obligation to tell me what that thing is. Uh, but I want you to tell me, right? Even though you don't owe me anything, I really want to know what that thing I don't know is. And that is kind of how it comes down in every scenario now, except um, the things that we know and don't know are no longer like my neighbor knows something that's making more food. It's like someone across the globe looks like a supermodel and I want to look like a supermodel, but I don't know how to do it and clearly they do. It's unrealistic. People are so different across the globe. There's no way to hold up to that kind of expectation. And I think this is... Hmm. I, I think this is partly due to the lacking sense of being a part of a community because we like yeah. we don't really have community nowadays school has like taken up all the time mm-hmm. and like time from kids but also time from kids being with their families to actually develop community yeah. and like yeah. a sense of community and time. It's all screens. It's all screens. It's man. all screens and school. Like yep. literally. Yep. It was before it was screens, it was television, and which I, is still I, screen. And I say this as someone who wants to make shit that goes on those screens for a living. Right. There's a time when it's important, there's a time when it's not. Right. And so we we don't have any community anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's I totally where, agree. What am I going where am I going with this? Like when you when you're part of com- a community, it's not like there's no hierarchy in the community. You're all there to to make yeah, everyone else exactly. Feel Everyone's better. working for everyone. Yeah, and so like there's no. This is again something that school kind of reinforces about like going it on your own and like you getting a job for yourself to buy nice things for yourself. Like, yep. which is like a super broken down way of yes. putting it, but it's also you know pretty much true. And you don't need like. Everyone kind of shares stuff in the community. You don't need as many things. You you learn a lot more through mixing age groups. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's my spiel on no, the community. No, I get it. I really do get that. I mean, um, I know we're kind of like nearing our end of this little piece, but um, what's, what's really on my mind right now is... Um, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's art, whether you work a day job, whether you do nothing all day, that's fine. Whatever you're doing is fine. So long as you are not fucking with someone else. Or the environment. Or the environment. I mean, we all need the environment. And if you're fucking the environment, you're fucking with us. So yes, by extension, the environment. If you have any reason to try to infringe on someone else's sense of freedom and they are not doing the same to someone else there's no grounds for it I mean the only message I could ever come on here to spread is just fucking love your neighbor man like fuck be nice (laughs) and spread love and kindness and 
if you're going to criticize, be constructive. If you're going to compliment, be sincere. Like, be yourself. Don't be ashamed of who you are. And know that if you are ever running from something in your life, it's because you know you can do something to change it. Amen, brother. Anything else? Fuck J and J towing. That's what I thought. And then see, brother. And then see. And Tyler, Talia Pharaoh, TTT, ladies and gents. Awesome dude. Thank you for coming on. <clears throat> Ryan, any departing words? Dude, I have to go lay down. I got the spins. He's got the spins. We're gonna lay this. We're, we're gonna finish up. Until next time. Until next time. Peace. Peace.